Hello, this is Dr. Ed Hill, host of This Week in the Word, where we grow in our knowledge of the Word of God and our walk with Christ. I'm glad you joined us at This Week in the Word, heard at dredhill.podbean.com. I'm glad you're here today. We're going to begin the episode for Sunday, September 12, 2021. It's Matthew's Messiah. Enjoy the journey. Now, Matthew was a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he wrote the Gospel of Matthew to tell his own people, the Jewish people, that Jesus Christ is the long-promised Messiah King, that he has come. In fact, he's even the Savior of the world for all of those who have placed their faith and trust in him. And Matthew writes this good news. But in Matthew, we've come to chapter 11, chapter 11 in the Gospel of Matthew. Now there, we're going to learn a very important thing, that even when we're on the journey trying to spread the good news of Jesus Christ, we're often met with apathy, indifference, and even hostility. But I want you to see with me today that in the Gospel of Matthew, from Matthew 11, it's all uphill. It's uphill to Mount Calvary and the cross, and yet the Lord Jesus Christ endured the cross with joy because he could see that those of us who trust in him as our Savior and Lord will be born again and we will be forgiven. And that caused him great joy, and he endured the cross for that reason. We're also going to see a great secret here at the end of Matthew 11. And it's not some new age, law of attraction, crazy talk like that, like people are doing today. The secret to enjoying the journey is to enjoy it with Jesus. He invites everyone who will to wear a well-fitting yoke, like a yoke of oxen would do. That yoke had to fit. It had to be properly fitted. And it would be teamed up with another ox in that yoke. And in this analogy, in this metaphor is probably a better word, we are invited to take upon our neck the well-fitting yoke of the Lord Jesus Christ and to go through life teamed up with Jesus. Wow, what, a, what an opportunity. Well, let's go to Matthew 11. We're going to read all 30 verses, but we're going to take them a few at a time. So Matthew 11, verse 1, And it came to pass, when Jesus had made an end of commanding his twelve disciples, he departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. So we remember from Matthew 10 that the Lord Jesus Christ gave very detailed, specific instructions to his disciples before he sent them out alone. Not He didn't go with them, but he sent them out alone to do the same thing that he goes out to do. They would have to learn to you know, not depend on him being right there with them physically. They would have to remember what he told them and proclaim the same message. Well, now they've been sent out, and he goes out preaching about himself to these cities. But we go now to verses 2 and 3. When we think about enjoying the journey, that has to be done during suffering because most of life seems to involve suffering for Christ. 
And you know what happens when we go through it, don't you? We begin to have a little bit of doubt, maybe a lot of doubt. Well, in Matthew 11, verses 2 and 3, let's see what happens. Now, when John, now this is John the Baptist, now when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Now, notice where John asked this question. He asked it from prison. He sends two of his disciples to ask the Lord Jesus Christ, Are you the Messiah? Now, I believe that deep in his heart, John the Baptist knew that because God the Father had revealed to him that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. He is the Lamb of God, and John knew that. But you know what I also know? John the Baptist was also a human being, and when he was imprisoned, he began to review everything, and he just needed to hear it again to strengthen his faith. Now, I want to read for you three verses from the Old Testament before we go any further in Matthew 11. Don't look them up, just listen. This will help you understand the answer that Christ sent back to John. Isaiah 40, verse 3, The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Malachi 3, verse 1, Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord, whom ye seek, shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant, whom ye delight in. Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. And then Malachi chapter 4, verse 5, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet, before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. All right, now let's see the answer of the Lord that he sent back to John the Baptist who is in prison. Verse four, Jesus answered and said unto them, go and show John again those things which ye do hear and see. The blind receive their sight and the lame walk the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he, whosoever shall not be offended in me. And as they departed, Jesus began to say unto the multitudes concerning John, what went ye out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken with the wind? But what went ye out for to see? A, a man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, they that wear soft clothing are in king's houses. But what went ye out for to see? A prophet? Yea, I say unto you, and more than a prophet. For this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. 
Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Notwithstanding, he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John, and if ye will receive it, this is Elias, which was for to come. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. So the Lord Jesus Christ gives great praise to John the Baptist, who was the last Old Testament prophet, and he was the first to proclaim Christ as the Lamb of God. So he's encouraging everybody to realize that, yes, John's going through it, but John is a mighty prophet of God, and he is the one who prepared the way for me to come, the Lord is saying here, and he is the one that was prophesied to proclaim me. And that's what he's saying, essentially, excuse me, right here. So I want you to think about this. As great as John the Baptist obviously is, he was in prison. He was going through doubt. And I'm pretty sure that once the disciples of his returned and reminded him of everything the Lord said and everything he was doing, that John the Baptist, even though he was in prison, could resume enjoying the journey because he was placing his faith in Jesus Christ. So listen, it may not be going very well with you, That does not mean that you do not belong to Christ. Even Christians, even John the Baptist, went through a very difficult season before he was beheaded and went immediately into the presence of the Lord. You may be going through a tough time today. You may be going through doubt. Hang in there, baby. Listen, Do life with Jesus, and we'll see more about that in a moment. We can enjoy the journey even when we're smeared. Do you know what it means to be smeared or what it feels like? What it feels like is when people deliberately make up outrageous lies about you and spread them as if it's the truth. Well, I've never been through that, Pastor Ed. Hey, cheer up. Your day's coming. Yep. I mean, if it hasn't happened yet and you're living for the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, get ready, buckle your chin strap, it's on the way. Nevertheless, you can still enjoy the journey when you do life with Jesus. Look at what is said in verses 16 to 19. But whereunto shall I liken this generation? It is like unto children sitting in the markets and calling under their fellows. So I I have in my mind, I might be wrong about this, but I have in my mind that maybe there's two groups of children sitting against walls, let's say, in the market where they're 
moms are buying food to eat and clothing and all that stuff. And um, they're not playing very well together. And so one side calls out one thing and the other side answers back. Now, some of you Bible scholars out there may say, oh, you've got it all wrong. That's not what this is at all. Anyway, that's what occurs to me in my mind when I read what we're going to read. But whereunto shall I liken this generation? It is like unto children sitting in the markets and calling unto their fellows and saying, We have piped unto you, and ye have not danced. We have mourned unto you, and ye have not lamented. (laughs) Verse 18, For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say, He hath a devil. In other words, he's got a demon, right? You remember John lived out in the wilderness and he ate locust and wild honey, a very high protein diet for sure, high energy diet. And he would not drink wine. For John came neither eating nor drinking and they say, he hath a devil. Verse 19. The Son of Man, this is Jesus talking about himself, the Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Behold, a man gluttonous and a wine-bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners. But wisdom is justified of her children. Maybe a, a way that, that I think of when I hear that is, The proof is in the pudding. The truth will all come out eventually. The Lord will be vindicated and John the Baptist will be vindicated. But when you're smeared, when people maybe even know what the truth is and they deliberately twist it and say vicious things about you, They said it about John the Baptist, and even more, they said that about the Lord Jesus Christ. So it should not come as a surprise if they say that about you or me. But they can't take away our joy because when we're teamed up with Jesus, we can enjoy the journey because we're doing life with Jesus and we're able to say, what do you know? I'm being treated just like they treated the Lord Jesus Christ and John the Baptist. How about that? Now, Jesus speaks about willful unbelief. I remember when I was in junior high school, we didn't need no middle school back then. We had junior high school. There was a song that was very popular, and I I don't know where it rated, but probably it was in the top 40. It could have been number one or in the top 10 of songs on the radio at the time. Everybody listened to it and pretty much everybody liked it, as far as I know. You know what the song is. Ray Stevens wrote the song, Everything is Beautiful. Everything is beautiful in its own way. Remember that song? Yeah, that's a great song. You're gonna have to go play that on uh, online now. I know what you're gonna do after you're done. <laughs> But the, one of the lines in it is, there is none so blind as he who will not see. Wow, what a great line. Well, that's exactly what the Lord is bringing up here. In Matthew 11, 
verses 20 to 24. Then began he to upbraid the cities wherein most of his mighty works were done because they repented not. Are you kidding me? Wow. Verse 21, Woe unto thee, Chorazin! Woe unto thee, Bethsaida! For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, and those were pagan cities that were judged by God, had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. Well, these were the enemies of Israel. Do you see what he's saying? I, I did these miracles, these amazing, true works of God right in front of your own eyes, and you refuse to believe. You refuse to repent. And he uses that analogy that if, if these things have been done in those two pagan cities that were judged by God, Tyre and Sidon, he says here at the end, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. Verse 22, but I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the day of judgment than for you. Wow. Notice there is a day of judgment and it is real. And the people that had him perform these miracles and they heard his preaching, they really had no reason not to trust Christ. It was obvious right in front of their own eyes. He is the Messiah, the Savior of the world. And they said, nope, we refuse. We are not going to trust you. And he says here, they're in big trouble. Absolutely. You might even be in big trouble because you've grown up around church. You've heard preachers. You've got 17 Bibles at your house and yet you laugh about and mock and ignore and ridicule and dismiss the Word of God, I'd hate to be in your shoes on the Day of Judgment. You should repent. Verse 23. Now the town he's about to mention, he had adopted as his headquarters. Come on. And thou, Capernaum, which are exalted unto heaven, shall be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which have been done in thee had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for thee. Now, Sodom was completely destroyed by God. You can read all about it in Genesis. We talked about it in the last episode. By the way, did you know that the site of Sodom and the cities around it have been discovered and are being excavated? It's not a story in the Bible. It's history because history is his story. I hope the light just came on for some of you. Jesus warns those who are happily engaging in willful unbelief, you will be judged far beyond the pagans who were judged by God in the Old Testament. Verse 
willful unbelief. But know this, you can go through the journey with joy. You can enjoy that journey. You can do life with Jesus because you are among the initiated, those of you who truly are born again and have truly repented of sin and truly are in a current living relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. I didn't say you were perfect. I just said it's real. You are among the initiated. You know, the thing about all the mystery religions, every single one of them, and secret organizations, and I don't know, even fraternities and sororities, for all I know, I was never one of those. But these groups of of many types and even pagan mystery religions, the people on the outside didn't know what the secret was, what the mystery was, what the truth was. But the people who had been initiated, they knew. Hey, guess what? When you were born again, you came on the inside of this thing and you understand it. And the people on the outside, they just don't get it. And they never will unless Jesus shows them. But he showed you. Wow. Look at Matthew 11, verses 25 to 27. At that time, Jesus answered and said, and here he's praying, obviously. I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent and hast revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. All things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knoweth the Son but the Father, neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. Have you ever seen somebody that seemed to be they, at least they said they were, trying to find God. Well, God's not lost. They're lost, and they need to repent of sin and come to God who is not hiding from them. God is there to be found for those who truly want to find him. But let me show you something very interesting here. The Lord prays here as the Son in his earthly ministry, to God the Father. And he says that the truth has been hidden from what the world would call the the really smart people, the really wise people, uh, the prudent, you know, the smartest people in the room and all of that. They don't have a clue. Our governments are filled with people who don't have a clue. Almost everywhere you go, unless a believer in Christ is in charge, more often than not, the people running it don't have a clue because they don't understand what has not been revealed to them. 
they have not been among the initiated to the mystery of Christ living in us when we are born again. And he he says in verse 26, Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. Now verse 27 says, And all things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knoweth the Son but the Father. Neither knoweth any man the Father, save, or that means except, save the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. Let me tell you what, if you are not born again today, and you may even be religious, but if you're not born again in a living union with the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, he lives in you, and because of that, you live for him, you just can't, you you can't know this. You have to be initiated into this mystery, and only God can, uh, let's see, and no man knoweth the Son but the Father. Only God can show you spiritually who Jesus Christ really is. You could go to seminary and pay a lot of money and earn a degree and, and never know God, never know Jesus Christ personally, if you're not born again, you would know about him. You might even know a lot of facts from the Bible, but you would not know him because he's not been revealed by the Father. Now, now the thing that's interesting about this is if you don't know him, you don't know what I'm even talking about right now. Jesus says further, neither knoweth any man the Father, save the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. So I don't care how many religions you're in or how much New Age you do or yoga, which, by the way, is not an exercise. It always has been a religion that is powered by demons all the way from India or wherever it came from before that. There's no amount of New Age spirituality you can get into. You can't burn enough candles to find God, all right? Jesus Christ has to reveal the Father to you, and the Father has to reveal the Son, or you can never know them. Well, I don't like that. It doesn't matter. That's how it is. I want that to bother you if you're not born again. <laughs> I want it to bother you so much you lay awake at night and, and can't get past this. You know what? If you will repent of sin, which that's something God will enable you to do, God will reveal himself to you. He will reveal the Son. The Son will reveal the Father. and You can be born again. And all of a sudden, when you're inside... Looking out now, you'll say, how come I couldn't see this before? Because you can't, unless you're initiated by the Father and the Son. Pastor Ed, could we move on to the next verses? Okay. Matthew 11, the last three verses, 28 to 30. Doing life with Jesus is how we can enjoy the journey. Now, I didn't say it will be easy. It won't always be fun. 
but we can have a spiritual joy even when we're getting kicked in the shins because we're doing life with Jesus who lives in us. And he enables us to enjoy the journey anyway. Verse 28. This, this is the invitation to become yoked up in a well-fitted yoke. If a farmer put a yoke on oxen, let's say he puts it on one of them first, a lot of times these would have to be... Um, adjusted and tailored and fitted to fit that ox or it would be bad news for everybody because it would chafe and it would just be irritating and for the ox to pull that load it has to not be irritated all right so it's a well-fitted yoke and when you are in a yoke the whole point of that is so you could be teamed up with someone well, not someone, but an ox who would share the load. Are you feeling me yet? Are you understanding now? So with that farmer analogy in mind, and I've told you all that I know about that, that's the extent of my knowledge there. Look at verse 28 in Matthew 11. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I don't even know how to explain that further than what he said. I know, though, that when I am consciously doing life with Jesus, my joy is there. When I'm trying to do it on my own and carry the whole load by myself, that's when my joy evaporates. But here's the thing. When we're born again, the Lord never, ever intended that we do this Christian life thing on our own and just gut it out. You know, just make it through. That's not the invitation. Let me read it again. And for some of you listening right now, a great uh, enlightenment or revelation may begin to dawn in your hearts about this whole Christian life. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Well, hey, listen, we're at the end of this episode. I hope that if you are already a Christian, that you are experiencing what I talked about here at the end. You could even call it the spirit-filled life. It's the same thing. It's also being branches of the vine. It's the same thing. 
right? And I hope that you are experiencing that. But some of you who are believers in Christ are trying to do this all on your own. And it's hard. And I invite you to listen to the invitation of Jesus Christ. Now, for some of you listening, you make no claim to be a Christian. You're not trying to make anybody think you are. You know you're not one, and you may not even want to be one at this point. I invite you to take the Lord Jesus Christ up on his promise and see what happens. Some of you may have spiritual questions, and I want you to call this number and speak with someone free who will help you with your questions. 877-247-2426. 877-247-2426. Or you can go to chataboutjesus.com. Chataboutjesus.com. You see, when Jesus Christ becomes your Lord and Savior and He lives in you, you can know for sure how your eternity will turn out. It's going to be good. Instead of following Satan and being condemned to an eternal hell, you can follow Jesus Christ and be welcomed into heaven. That's great. Listen, the Bible says in Romans 3.23, for all is sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And then Romans 10, verses 8 through 13. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I hope you will call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ today. I thank you for listening to this episode. I hope it's been very enlightening to you and encouraged you as a believer in Christ. And if you're not yet a believer, you want the Father to reveal the Son and the Son to reveal the Father to you so that you can be saved. And if that's what you want, God will make it happen. Tell others about This Week in the Word at www.dredhill.podbean.com. And by the way, if people download the Podbean app, they can find This Week in the Word right there free on the Podbean app. Tell somebody and be sure you follow and subscribe to this podcast. I look forward to teaching you next week. Bye-bye.